is Pastor Coletta Jones of the Rock Christian Church Ministries. We're here another time to talk about something that will benefit us during this season. This is a season where we all are really close together with our families, working on things that we don't know what the future holds or how it's going to work out or how long am I going to be working at home or I haven't gotten a check. I don't know where my bills are going to be paid. It's just a time where there's a lot of confusion, a lot of concern, and I know a lot of sleepless nights. We want to give you something that you can meditate on, something that you can think about. The word of the Lord says that he that keepeth his mind stayed on me. I will keep him in perfect peace. He didn't just say I'll keep him in peace, but he classified it as perfect peace. And as I uh, went to research it, it's like a double dosage of peace. I'm sure some have lost time sleeping, worrying about how you're going to make it and how your bills are going to be paid and how, when are the children going to go back to school and are you going to go back to work and is your business going to resume? Or are you going to be able to uh, resume life as it was before this period of time where we have faced situations that we have never had to face before. But the word of God is here to encourage us, to help you and I put our trust in God even the more. You know, as a child growing up, I used to hear people get up and give their testimonies and talk about what God was doing and how God did it. But what happened was someone would give a testimony that took them a year to live in 30 minutes or five minutes or 20 minutes, whatever the case may be. And what we were failing to see is what it took for them to get through the situation. And for many of you, that's what's taking place now. You're in situations. You don't know how they're going to work. You don't know if you'll have a job when it's time for you to go back. You don't know if you'll be able to stay in your apartment will you have to look for some place to go and in a message a few weeks ago that we told you that the Lord said take no thought for tomorrow for tomorrow when it gets here it's going to take care of itself so today we want to talk about peace real peace and how we get it and then once we get it I want to hold on to it so let's start today because I believe this is a time I I need to really focus and allow the peace of God to resonate within me and not take on things that I don't need to. Everybody, I believe, wants peace of mind, whether we are in our homes, uncertain about tomorrow, are the children going to go back to school? Will they finish out this school year? What's going to happen during the summer? Will I be able to take my vacation? Will I be able to uh, have my job when it's time to go back? What's going to happen to my house? What's going to happen to my mortgage? How am I going to make it? I know during this time, we are all wanting a peace of mind. But most of us have to admit, we experience more stress right now 
then peace. Here's a little quiz. Complete each of these sentences with the appropriate word. And I'm sure that you know them. All right. I am ready to throw in the fill in. I am at the end of my. I am just a bundle of. My life is falling. I'm at my wits. I feel like resigning from the human race. How did you do? If you answered towel, rope, nerves, apart, in, and race in that order, give yourself an A+. You are an expert on the subject of stress. Stress is the, an unfortunate fact of life in our world, especially right now. Everyone is under stress. Everyone is tensed and concerned about how things are going to work out. We are told that too much stress is unhealthy. Proverbs 14 and 30 says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bone. And the New Living Translation, it says, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Everybody is looking for peace. The Bible has a lot to say about stress and even more about the antidote, peace of mind. But first, what is peace? You need three kinds of peace. The Bible talks about three kinds of peace. Number one, first is spiritual peace. Spiritual peace is peace with God. That is the foundation. We have to have peace with God before we can have any other kind of peace. There is only one way to obtain it. And that is through Jesus Christ. St. John 14, 6 in the New Living Translation gives us what we need and how to get it. Number two is emotional peace. First, we must have peace with God, which is spiritual peace. Then we can have the peace of God, which is emotional peace. This is what most of us think about when we think of the word peace an internal sense of well-being and order. Let me say that again. An internal sense of well-being and order. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since you were called to peace. The Greek word translated rule here is used only this one time in the Bible, and it means to umpire. The verse says we should let the peace of God be the umpire of our lives. So what does an umpire do? He keeps the peace. He makes sure the game is played in a smooth and orderly manner. God wants to give you an eternal umpire who will keep you at peace even 
when everything around you is chaotic. Have you ever heard someone say, I need to get away? Maybe you've just been saying it in the last few weeks, even the more. Have you ever been so tired at night that your body collapses into bed, but your mind keeps on going? Your mind just races from one thing to the other. If you do not have emotional peace, your mind will still be racing. You cannot run away from yourself. You need both spiritual peace and emotional peace. Number three, you need relational peace or peace with people. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Relational peace reduces conflict. I, I just want you to think about that. Relational peace reduces conflict. You must know from experience that relationships can be a source of stress, especially now. For most of us, our biggest problem are people problems. Getting along with coworkers, family, friends, neighbors, everyone. We must deal with conflict, competition, and criticism on a, on a regular basis. These things, what they do, they end up robbing us of our peace. How desperately, how desperately we need spiritual, emotional, and relational peace. But can we find it is the answer. With all that's going on, all the bad news that we hear, as the numbers are creeping up, as more people are coming in contact with the virus, people that we know, people that we love, people that we don't know, but other people know us know. Can we find this kind of peace? Understand the promise of God's peace. In John 14, 27, Jesus promised, I leave behind with you peace. I give you my own peace. And my gift is nothing like the peace of this world. You must not be distressed and you must not be daunted. He spoke these words right before he went to the cross. Notice that Jesus says his peace is a gift. We cannot work for it and we cannot earn it. We cannot psych ourselves up for it. We cannot try really hard to get it. It is a gift that you and I must simply accept. Jesus also said that his peace is different than the world has. The peace that God gives is re not related to our circumstances. The world's peace is fragile. The world has a peace that's temporary. God's peace allows us to be tranquil in the midst of trouble. That's what we need right now. We need a peace that doesn't deny that we are having trouble, that doesn't deny a concern for the trouble. But I need peace of God that even goes beyond my level of understanding why I am so calm and why 
I am so peaceful. So how do we get this peace? There are five keys to acquiring God's perfect peace. Five keys. Number one, I've got to obey God's principles. First, if we want peace, we must obey God's principles as found in his word. In other words, just do what the Bible says. The psalmist says, great peace have they who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. I obey your statutes for I love them greatly. That's Psalms 119. Verses 165, 167. God says that peace comes when we live in harmony with him, when we do what he tells us to do. God's word is your owner's manual for life. Listen here, sometimes we've been so dependent on somebody else reading God's word, telling us what is said for us, that we never ever took the time to read it for ourselves. We said, well, I can't understand it. Well, it's too complicated. But there are too many translations that have been written today that make the word of God simple. And David said, I hid the word in my heart that I might not sin against God. I've got to know the word for myself because as I learn the word and meditate on the word, it brings a sense of awareness that God is with me. God's word is our owner's manual for life. It contains principles for health, finances, marriage, other relationships, our businesses, and many, many more things that we're going to need in the coming days. You may ignore these principles, but if you do, you have nobody to blame for your problems but yourself. If you do not obey these principles, you will not experience peace. Your life will run more smoothly if you live in God's word according to what he has designed for each of his children. It's that simple. If you want to be at peace, obey God's principles. And again, because we have such limited access to our churches, but there are many pastors and ministers that are teaching and preaching the word, but you can't depend on somebody else to do all the work for you. You've got to take some time to get into this word for yourself. Number two, I've got to accept God's pardon. If we want peace, we must accept God's pardon, his forgiveness, and, re and be released from punishment. Guilt is the number one destroyer of peace for most people. When we feel guilty, we feel we are being haunted and chased by our past. What if someone sees the skeleton in your closet? The only way to have peace of mind is to have a clear conscience, and only God can give you that. Malachi, Micah, I'm sorry, 718 says, Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives transgressions? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. 
Notice that Micah says God is eager, willing, and waiting to give you and I a clean slate. It is his nature. He likes to forgive. Someone has said that God has a big eraser. Well, he does. God's word tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. That's 1 John 1, 9, 9. God's forgiveness is available. You know, in that same scripture, he said, forgive us and cleanse us. And anything that is cleansed, if you have a dirty spot on your floor and it's cleansed, it's, it's done away with. It's no residual there. It's nothing there to show it was there. I don't care how bad you have done. I don't care how long you have done bad. I don't care what the sin was. When you ask God to forgive you, not only will he forgive you, he will remove the residual of everything you have done in your life if you will only believe. Number three, focus on God's presence. If we want peace, we must focus on God's presence. We must realize that God is always with us and learn to sense his presence. I don't care if you're in the house by yourself. I don't care if you're in there with two or three people. You've got to understand you are not by yourself. You've got to wake up with such a joy to know that God is in there with you. Listen here. You don't see the air. I, you know I'm breathing because I'm speaking to you and I'm inhaling and I'm exhaling. But the air is invisible. That's how God is. You can't see him. But if you would only believe he takes up all the air. He is omnipresent. He's with you. You are not by yourself. You say, well, I don't know if I have it. I don't know what will happen if I get it. That doesn't bring peace. That brings you a lot of heartache trying to figure out about tomorrow. Believe that God is right there in your room, in your apartment, in your house, wherever you may be. He is right there there with you. Isaiah 26, three says, remind us to fix our gaze on God. You will keep in perfect peace, perfect peace, him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust. I trust God. I trust that anything that comes upon me, God is going to give me what I need to overcome it. Whatever comes. So why am I sitting up today trying to figure out tomorrow when I can live in the moment? We have a choice of focusing on our problems or focusing on God who holds the solution. If you look at the world, you will be distressed. If you look within you, you will be depressed. But if you look to Christ, you will be at rest. It is what you concentrate on that determines your level of personal peace. Focus on God's promise. He is with you and he has promised he will never leave you. He said he'd never leave you. Listen, I, I don't know who's listening to me and I don't know what age you are, but just think about this. From the time of your very existence until today, 
whether you have committed yourself totally to God or you've been in and out and you've been up and down or you don't know anything about God at all. All of your life to this present moment, God has kept you. I'm sure many of you looking at me today have been in situations that you wondered how you got out. You wondered why you weren't dead. You wonder why your friend got it and you didn't get it or how you could have ended up not getting in it because you have no clue how you ended up getting out of there. Let me just tell you this. God did it. The devil comes to kill. He comes to steal. He comes to destroy. Had it been left up to him, you would have been gone. But God in his mercy has always had you on his mind. So becoming tense is a clear indication that we have taken our eyes off of the Lord and placed our eyes back on our situation. We are looking at problems. And are going to get tense. The moment you start trying to figure all this out, the moment you keep your mind, do I have it? You get a little headache. Oh, my God, I have it. Your throat starts getting sore. Oh, my God, it's coming in my house. And rather than to stand up, if you are a child of God and believe in God, even in the moment that you are so uncertain that God is with you, you are not alone. We need to remember that stress is God's way of saying, get your focus in order. Look at me. The psalmist says, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Somebody needs this. Somebody's been waiting for someone to give you a word of uplift. Psalms 46 and one says again, I want, I want to say it again. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help. He don't leave. It don't never get too hot for him. It doesn't get to the point where he says you in this by yourself. I'm gone. He says, I'm ever present in time of trouble. Later in that Psalm, he reminds us, be still. And no, I am God. These verses have an interesting background. They were not written by David. This psalm was written during the time of Hezekiah, many years after David lived. The nation of Israel was under attack. The king of Syria, enemy soldiers had surrounded Jerusalem and the Israelites were uptight. They knew they were going to get beaten that day. So they prayed this prayer. Five minutes before noon, God smoked the Assyrians with a plague. And 185,000 of them died that day. Jerusalem was saved and everyone was happy. You don't know how God going to work things out for you. You cannot imagine... Listen here, you've been trying your budget. You've been trying to figure out because you don't have a lot of money. God is saying, I've always looked out for you. I've looked out for you when you weren't thinking about me. When I wasn't first on your list, I still looked out for you. And I promised I would never leave you. I promised 
that I would never forsake you. The psalmist reminds us that God is our refuge. He is our strength. No matter how overwhelmed the odds seem, he is ever present help. He's right here. He's not gone anywhere. This psalm tells us two things about getting God's help in time of trouble. The first thing is to be still when you're in trouble. You got to say to yourself, okay, I can't think. You know, I tell my members all the time, when I'm sitting down trying to figure out how I'm going to make it, trying to come up with the answer, trying to look, I'm looking at this one. I'm thinking about this one. I'm saying this one going to help me. I'm saying this one going to do it. I said, oh, oh, this person I could go to, or I can, I haven't got this check and I'm planning to get, the moment I do that, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to come up with the answer. And you know what it does? It stresses me. I'm so overwhelmed because I got four or five answers for one problem. And I don't know which one of them is going to work. And I'm in doubt that some will work, but I'm just pulling from wherever I can pull to get, to get that resolve that I need to, to, to get the answer to this problem. But when I allow God to make it, to work it out for me, what I have to do is sit down and say to myself, okay, calm yourself down. I have to calm me down so God can give me the answer. I'm not going to get the answer. If I could get the answer, I would have had it. And then I wouldn't have needed four or five ways to do it. But to trust God to give me the answer, he's going to give me what will work. He only has to speak it one time. He doesn't have to tell me 10 different ways to do it because he already knows the way I need to do it to get to where he has already prepared for me. The Psalm tells us two things about getting God's help in time of trouble. Again, it's the first thing is I got to sit down. I got to be still. The Hebrew word here means to ease up, to let go. Excuse me. It has been said that most of our problems come comes from our inability to sit still. When was the last time you just sat still and focused on God? Try it. Try it. I, I, I dare you. Try it. Even right now. Take a deep breath. Let it out and focus on God's presence surrounding you. Be still. Harry is the death of prayer. In addition to telling us to be still, the Lord reminds us, know that I am God. Listen here. I know the world, the world. You know, many times we've said the world is, is just chaotic. Well, everybody can see it now. The world is in a mess. Death is everywhere. But can I tell you today, God is still in control. This is no surprise to God. God wasn't somewhere taking a nap and woke up and said, oh, my God, the coronavirus is coming up on my people. He knew what was going to happen, when it was going to happen, how it was going to happen. He also has determined the way out of it. And so he wants you and I to understand this is not a surprise to him. He is God. He is in control. Did you know that right in the middle of a hurricane or a tornado, tornado, 
in a quiet center, is a quiet center, and they call it the eye. Even though everything is blowing apart around you, there can be a quiet center in your life. Be still and know. One, obey God's principles. Two, accept God's pardon. All right, God, I failed you. I've insulted you because I'm worrying about things I can't change. I'm trying to worry about tomorrow and I'm in the moment. Three, focus on God's presence and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You know what he'll do? He'll make it so. You'll say to yourself, I'm so peaceful. It ain't making sense. It's, I, I just, I, I don't understand. I, I, I see what's going on. I, I know what my checkbook says. I, I, I know what ain't in the bank and I know what I need, but God, my trust is in you. I know you got me. I know you're working this out. I know I'm coming out of this better than when I went in. Number four, I got to trust God's purpose. If you want to experience God's peace, we must trust God's purpose. Even when things don't make sense, I and you, I've got to trust that God knew what he was doing. He knows why. He knows why. He has the plan already planned out. He knows the last act of the play. You and I are in the moment. God is not surprised. He understands. Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says, trust the Lord. Praise God with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge him. Stop trying to do it yourself. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop thinking you got the answer when you go for a little while. And then you know what you find out that didn't work where you thought how it was going to do it. You'd already figured it out halfway through it. It all fell in your lap. It says, if I would acknowledge him, if I would stop trying to figure out, God, you know what to do. You know where my check is. You know where it's not. You know they're supposed to send me money and I haven't got it. God, what do you want me to do? Guess what it says here? And he shall direct your path. There are four verbs in this verse. A, trust. I got to trust him. You got to trust him. Two, be lean not. I got to stop depending on me or any other person, including the federal government, including the state government, including an unemployment check, including a check that's coming in. I got to stop thinking I know how this is going to work out. And I got to lean on the Lord. Then I got to acknowledge him. I got to stop acknowledging him after the fact. I got to go to him first. I need to get food. I need to feed my family. God, this is what I got. You were able to feed 5,000 men, not including the women. You did it with just five fish and two loaves of bread. If you did it back then, you said you were the same God. You said you changed not. You said I'm the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. And then guess what he promised? 
I'll direct your path. If you trust me, if you acknowledge me, if you come to me, not after the fact, but come to me before the fact, I will direct your path. The first three verbs are commands. The fourth verb expresses a promise. God will direct your path. Let us consider trust. Have you noticed that many things in life do not make sense? And do you feel that a lot of things in life are beyond, this is one of them, our control? What do you do in such situations you trust? That is really all we can do. We look every day at the news. We see them giving us information about what's going on. Can I tell you something? There's no good news there. There's not news there to make you jump up that people are constantly losing their lives in big numbers. But I've got to stop trusting in my own thinking, in my own analysis, in my own conclusions, because I don't know. And I've got to acknowledge God and I've got to trust God. We do that all the time. We waste more, more time and energy trying to figure things out. God urges us just to trust him. Trust me. I got this. I know it doesn't look like it's going to be an end to it, but I got this. I, I'm waiting on y'all. Y'all ain't waiting on me. I already know the end of the story. I'm waiting on you to come to me, to rely upon me, to trust me. And when you do, I'll give you what you need to get you to the next step. When we finally stop trying to figure out why God allows things to happen and start trusting God, then peace comes. We need to face the fact that not all of our questions are going to be answered in this lifetime. I am leaning slowly is that I don't have to understand why. He's not going to tell me why. I don't have to understand when. All I have to know is that God is going to do what he promised. All I have to do is trust him in order to experience his peace. As long as I'm struggling to figure things out, I am not really trusting God. And I probably won't have peace. We have to trust God with our lives, particularly at this time, and with the lives of our loved ones. The, the writer of Proverbs urged us to trust God and not depend on your own understanding. Then he reminds us to acknowledge God. You, you, you go to everybody first. You're trying to find out what the government got for you. You're trying to find out what this person had for you. You're trying to find out, can I get it from here? You have not talked to God. You have not come to him first. You're looking to people. And God wants us to look to him. He wants us to recognize that he is God and he is sovereign and he is in control including that part that you and I live in. He's control. We must acknowledge that God is in control and that God does not make mistakes. Everything that happens in our lives fit into God's plan for us. He uses every situation 
even the problems and the heartaches and the difficulties that we many times bring upon ourselves to work out his purpose in your life. Listen, I believe God has permitted much to happen so he can get the church's attention. He's been calling for us to stop all the brickering, to stop all that that we don't love and that we have not totally surrendered our lives unto him. Don't let this time come by and you just think this is something you're going to pick up, put it down tomorrow, today, pick it up tomorrow, and I'm going to go on with my life. God's trying to get your, get your attention. He's trying to get this nation's attention. He's trying to get this country's attention, the world's attention. I'm God. I'm God. There is no God like me. There is no God other than me. And I sit high. I look low. I say when it's going to end. I say when it will continue. All I want you to do is to know I'm in control. When we do this, you have the promise that he'll direct your path. In the NIV, he puts it this way. He will make your path straight. Indecision produces stress. But when we trust in the Lord, he directs our path and he makes them straight, not stressful. The apostle Paul learned this lesson. He was at peace because he knew God was directing his life. Even when he was locked in a Roman prison, he could write, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. That's Philippians 4, 12. Then he tells us the secret he has learned. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. We see that this was something Paul had to learn. This is what, listen, there's no sense of us going through all of this and we don't come out and our walk with God is not stronger or we have not began a walk with God. You know, God is not like people. People say, well, I don't believe that you've come to God until you've done this, that, and the other. God says, I want you to come to me just like you are. Leave it to me. Trust my word. I'll clean you up. Don't let other people tell you how they want you to be clean. I will clean you up. He learned to trust the Lord and to allow him to direct his life. And he was content. He was at peace. The safest, most serene place to be is in the center of God's will. In the Bible, when Jesus and his disciples was finishing on the Sea of Galilee, a storm came up. What fascinates me is that Jesus could sleep right through the storm. For the disciples' reaction was they were in a storm and we're about to die and what's going to happen? A number of them were experienced fishermen and had been through storms before, but they did not think that they would make it through this one. In the midst of the storm and all the commotion on the bus, boat, Jesus was sound asleep. He could, how could he sleep with all of this going on? Because he knew something the disciples didn't know. God was in control. 
It didn't look as if he was, but with one word from Jesus, the storm subsided. Peter learned something from the incident about getting a good night's sleep. Some years later, he was arrested by King Herod and put in prison. That was in Acts 12, verses 1 through 19. The night before Peter was to be executed, God sent an angel to rescue him. Notice that the angel that he sent had to strike Peter on the side to wake him up. Here he was laying in jail. He's going to die tomorrow, and he sleep. Peter was sleeping like a baby. Why? Because he was trusting the Lord who was directing his life. That's peace. That's real peace. Number five, ask for God's peace. Pray for it. That's the only way you're going to get it. If we want God's peace, we need to ask for it. In Philippians 4, Paul tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, but in everything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice the order. First pray, and then peace. There is a cause and effect relationship. Prayer is the cause. Peace is the effect. If you are not praying, you are likely to be worrying. And worry is a useless emotion. Such a waste. Worry is the opposite of peace. They cannot coexist. Our word worry comes from the German word virgin, which means to choke. That is what worry does. It chokes your life. Jesus indicates this in explaining the parable of the sower in Luke 8. The seed that falls among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And they do not mature. Many of you, you've been serving God for quite some time. You've been telling people that you trust him. You've been telling people, oh, I know God's got it. But really down deep inside, you don't believe God has it. You've never believed it has it. And so many things God has done for you. And you knew you couldn't get out of what you were in, except he brought you out of. Here we are in a situation that if God doesn't bring us out as a people and as a country, if he doesn't bring us out, I'm here to tell you this day, there is no way for us to get out. But God has already prepared a way of escape. He already knows the end of the story. He already knows how it's going to work out. 
He's waiting on us. He wants us to stop saying things for the amens of other people when deep down in our hearts we don't believe it ourselves. He wants you and I to really come to trust him, to not be complaining in a time when we ought to be thankful, to not be talking about how saved we are when we understand this grace of God, I am what I am. I have no right to brag that without God I could do nothing, but with God I can do all things. Even live in a time like this and have the peace of God. I could not do it without God. What? When pressure builds up, don't panic. Pray. Prayer is a tremendous stress reliever. When pressure builds up and you feel as if you are about to explode, open the safety valve of prayer. Turn your cares into prayers. We need an unconditional listener to unload on someone who will not become stressed out by our dumping on him or her someone who will not think any less of us because of what we say who better than God to dump on Peter used this image when he says cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you First Peter five and seven, lay it on the Lord. God will not be stressed out. I tell you by what you tell him. He's always knows everything about you. And guess what? Even after finding out he loves you and loves me anyway. Prayer is talking with God. Tell him what is on your mind. What is troubling you? And acknowledge his control of the universe, including your life. Ask him to meet your needs. He can do that better than anyone you know. Do not let your heart be troubled. Jesus told his disciples, trust in God. Trust also in me. You will not experience true or lasting peace until Jesus Christ is in charge of your life. Peace is not a trouble-free life. Peace is not a trouble-free life. It is a sense of calm in the midst of life storms. So what is the conclusion to the matter today? What is robbing you of your peace today? Is it guilt? Is it uncertainty? Is it not knowing what tomorrow holds? Is it fear that you're sick? Is it fear that you'll get sick? Is it fear that your loved ones will get sick? What is robbing you? What keeps you up at night? Turn to God. Ask him first for forgiveness. Ask him to take away the worry, the frustration. You can talk to Christ about all of these things and anything else that is bothering you. You will feel a lot better for having done so. Maybe, best of all, he can do something about them. I say to you today, even in this time of uncertainty, even in this time when we don't know when we're coming out, how we're coming out, what we're going to do to get out, God knows. And all he wants from us 
is to come to him. You know, he styles us as children, my little children, because he wants us to understand he's our father. He's our father, and whatever concerns you, concerns your father. Many, many might say, well, I never had a father in my life. I'm saying to you, this father has never been out of your life. From the day of your conception until this very moment, he's always been there. And he promised never to leave us, never to forsake us, to be with us always, even until the end. This is a time where we need to just, you don't have to do it fancy. I'm not telling you how to do it. One thing I know about God, if you just talk to him like you're talking to a person, you ain't got to pray some fancy prayer. He don't need all of that. He don't need to know who he is, all wise, everlasting. He knows who he is. But he wants you to come to him in sincerity. Come to him in honesty. Thank him and stop complaining. Ask God, don't let you complain. Well, I'm tired of being in the house. You got a house to be in. There's some people don't have a house. So thank him for the house. Thank him for the peace that you have in your heart. Thank him for every meal that he allows you to eat. Be thankful. Be thankful because it is God who is blessing you, who has blessed you, and who will continue to bless you. Let us pray. Father, I thank you today. We're praying about your peace. We're asking that you give us peace which surpasses all understanding. We ask God that you will help us to be thankful and grateful for what you have already done. I pray God for every person that's under the sound of my voice that hear this prayer today, that hear this sermon today, that want peace where we can sleep, peace that we can hear from you. We ask God that you would do this now, that we're praying in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I pray that you today will take this to heart and allow the peace of God to rule in your heart. It is our prayer. Amen.